0: while bringing blessings to those living nearby. Finally, the pilgrimage season ends with the distribution of incense ash brought back from the temple in Beigong on the far end of the route. For more than 190 years, people from Yaoli have looked at this procession as a way of ensuring good fortune and peace in an unpredictable world. And so, with the kind of year we've been having, it seems high time for Mazu to head out again, hopefully giving us a respite from our own tumultuous times. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight.
2: Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Jen Chen is a creative director for films and projects in L.A., She promotes awareness about the environment and changed a lot to her lifestyle because of it, such as protecting animal rights, going vegetarian, or was it vegan, and owning an electric car back home. Because she was talking about the glaciers melting last week, I begin this week by asking her what we can do to stop glaciers from melting.
3: That's a very good question. And um, I can go all day about this. (laughs) But the number one thing is decreasing our carbon emission to prevent global warming. Uh, First thing, people can convert to more electronic cars or, you know, just walk, take a bike. You know, like I've been in Taiwan for the last three months. People bike everywhere. It's great. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to exercise. You get your calories in. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's um, something that we can do. Uh, Meat consumption is a huge deal because what people don't understand is that factory farm actually produces a lot of carbon Carbon dioxide. dioxide. That's not supposed to... Uh, the amount that's producing is not sustainable. This chicken had a life, a very miserable one. You know, people are like completely obliv- oblivious to it or they turn a blind eye mm-hmm. just because of the cognitive dissonance. It is what it is. Like they have their life to carry. They have their own reasoning. Um, that's what I've learned from different cultures. But it is important for them to understand it is not sustainable and there has to be a way to change it. Mm. Uh, Especially right now with the pandemic, uh, there's news going on in the last two weeks that the slaughterhouses in USA are stopping production because their uh, workers are infected with COVID-19. So then you're seeing farmers with all these, I guess, like livestock that they don't know what to do. So they actually have to gas them or like uh, find ways to kill them because mm-hmm. they just cannot sustain them yeah and one cruel thing that i mean i'll just give a small example of like what people are not exposed to but for chicken in uh in order to know if a chicken is ready you actually you pump them with with so much hormones oh i know and antibiotics. I do know this part. Yeah. yeah um to know they're ready is when their legs snap oh and fracture because they just cannot sustain the weight anymore oh, of their goodness. body so oh. this is just like one small example, but yeah, yeah, I can go on and on about that. Yeah.
2: yeah. What are you and your husband your team uh, trying to do to raise awareness? There's two
3: things I'm doing personally, actually. So uh, one is with my husband, which is like through uh, just through film, because film, we can always do storytelling, um, which is one thing that I love about this form of art. Uh, we get to, you know, tell a story we can follow like a scientist's perspect- perspective on. Uh, what is happening right now or we can follow even like a country that's being displaced because of climate change mm. we haven't gone that far yet it's something that i do want to come into contact with in
2: the future well if um, that's the case there's a whole scope of things that you can do you know yes yeah but it
3: is a, it is also very dangerous so oh, that's okay. also
2: something we need to consider for our crew
3: and making sure you know Um, They're taken care of because there's Mm. just a lot of logistic involved in terms of that. The second one is where my, I guess, my design um, background comes in. And because I'm here in Taiwan, um, I have the privilege of meeting a lot of great designers and innovators and technology people. And actually, two of my best girlfriends are in um, San Francisco as well. So I actually got to meet a lot of tech people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always feel like things happen for a reason. And right now, we're just all like collaborating in terms of design, technology, um, and trying to study like ecology. Um, I call it like ma- uh, material ecology. Um, and there's a term for it, it's called biomimicry, where mm-hmm. we can study nature and then use it, what they have already given us to produce products that can uh, help us in the future and coexist with nature and thrive together as mm-hmm. a whole.
2: Is there anything you want to? tell our listeners things that we can start doing from small things it's
3: been very hard um <laughs> actually i came up with a technique initially when i first started my uh, transition to vegetarian uh, i'm not fully vegetarian yet so i can't claim that but then uh how did how did i start reducing me is that i make a conscious choice every single week um, so for example the first week i would say hey um let me eat 50 50 So, 50% vegetable, 50% meat. And I will continue doing that uh, for a week. The second week, I might say I will do 30% meat and then 70% vegetable. And slowly and slowly, you actually reprogram your brain to crave vegetable more, which was not something I thought of before. But like, you have to kind of like, It's your body, you know, you think of it as a computer, you're kind of adding new programs into it for it to acknowledge this is like beneficial, this is nutritious, and this can be delicious. So that's what I did for like maybe three or four months. And at this point, literally, like, I don't, if I pass by a meat stall, no matter if it's like lu rou fan or, you know, niu rong jiebing or anything delicious here, I, I have no desire for it. It's just straight up like, oh, I kind of want to go eat that vegetable next to it or go to a vegetarian restaurant. So those are steps that I think regular people can start taking because Mm. if someone like me can do it, I feel like they can as well. And that would decrease the demand for production of meat and that can improve the quality of uh, the meat um, industry as well on how they treat the animal, how they slaughter them. Um, And hopefully, eventually, they can put a stop
2: all together or have more sustainable farming that will provide them with a good life it's always good to start with something small and actually mm-hmm. we can all do it it's true but it's still a huge huge project it takes a lot of education to do that it does maybe and it starts with you and your husband <laughs> i mean what right? are just a small part of the puzzle and trying but to that's what it is what it, it takes is- yeah, one person at a time.
3: It does, yeah. You it, know, to change. I think it's, and perseverance and perseverance. And I think uh, we have a joke between us. It's like it's like Mother Nature sent us home. Oh yeah, you know, to like <laughs> I know. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, isn't it
2: funny? Because I remember I was talking to another interviewee before. You know how in the past um, when we buy meat or whatever, mm-hmm. we use leaves to yeah. wrap them up. Yeah. And take home. I remember. Like, now it's like time. we're going back to that. You know, it, it's so much more cleaner and, and environmentally friendly. Yeah. I was going like, wow, we're going back to the old days when things were actually better, mm-hmm. healthier, safer, maybe, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, why? Why why did we have to make that huge cycle? And you're going back in time.
3: Yeah. If anyone Google um, wants to Google the person that invented Plastic, his initial plan was not for mass production. His initial oh. plan was just for it because it's light and easy to use, but it was not intended for one time use. But I think um, modern people d- these days are just so accustomed to convenience. Convenience. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. Yes. Yeah. So we need to learn to be inconvenient. Mm. And, you know, like Alcor made a film long time ago. Uh, what is it called? An unconvenience Truth. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah true yeah yes. yeah so i think that's something that we are seeing in this pandemic like mm-hmm. um and i'm actually very glad to see um although yes there there are terrible things of with like people passing and mm-hmm. i have many friends on the front line working as like hospital uh, mm-hmm. and doctors uh, and and nurses, actually, so um, I see their struggle, and I, I, ha- we, we are actually doing a film for them as well, like oh, for the physicians, uh, physicians in, yeah, in the in America to be, you know, to be heard. Yeah, there should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's actually a project I'm working on right now. Okay. Hopefully, it could be done by next week.
2: Wow. Um.
3: Yeah, we need to go back to relearning what is convenient and what is important, and I think we're just so accustomed to. Uh, you know, like going to Seven Eleven, buy this piece of thing in a plastic. Mm. So how do we revert that? Like, how do we go back to okay? Uh, like, this is why like the traditional market is also a good idea. We can learn to do sustainable farmings at home. Actually, in America, a lot of people are actually starting to grow their own fruits mm-hmm. because they're stuck at home yeah. and they have nothing to do. Right. <laughs> so they're, you know, so these are little things that we're learning here and there. Um, as individuals and I think that can help improve in terms of the reducing plastic use and then in terms of the scientific and designing part I am also seeing people using existing plastic as a material like they're not trying to make it think of it as negative they're thinking of it as of oh it's free you know, mm-hmm. like metal, or like think of it as a metal, think of it as like gold or silver. Uh, what can we use with a pla- plastic that we already have? How do we, how can we clean the ocean? This, there's the ocean cleanup as well. Mm. That's the, uh, I think they actually started three months ago and they've been pretty successful cleaning up the Pacific uh, garbage patch, but mm-hmm. there's still a long way to go in terms of that. So um, for regular folks, it's about Reversing back to inconvenience, quote unquote, and then you know, carry your own straw or um, try to finish your food in a restaurant, don't try to have leftover. If you want to bring food, I think Taiwan did a really good example of this actually. To most restaurants, if I just give them my own container, they just mm-hmm. put it in there for me,
2: right? right. Uh,
3: yeah, like those, bian dang yeah, metal thing, they yes. just put it in mm-hmm. I, and then i just go home and eat it right. i don't have to um get an extra plastic bag or anything i just carry it right as it is and i think people can slowly learn to do that especially in america or like any countries that you have a car there's mm. no excuse it, you can just put it in the back of your car yeah <laughs> and just take it out when you need it yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: you're listening to in the spotlight with shirley lynn
2: what things have you seen in Taiwan so far that you thought that we're doing a good job in terms of, you know, loving the earth?
3: Oh, so much. Really? Yeah. You want know, to name a couple um,
2: that, that's that been obvious to you?
3: Oh, where do I even start on this? Like, oh, um, um, First of all, I'm just so proud of Taiwan as a whole on um, how we fight this pandemic, you know. We, um, you know, the transparency and, uh, through our government, we people are comfortable, people are kind, people are not mean, people are not racist. We take care of our own people, we take care of the foreigners that are here. Um, we also, uh, the number one thing that I thought was great was um, the, the, they have like their own disposable bin for uh, the masks that we're using, right? Like when we go to the hospitals, there's actually a bin specifically. Oh, really? Oh, yeah yeah I do not know that. Yeah, okay. it's great. Like uh-huh. I I was like, oh, there's actually like a recycle bin dedicated to um the mass so that way, you know, I don't know what they do with it, but at yeah, least Yeah, I I was just going to ask. I don't I
2: wonder what they do with it. Yeah yeah, yeah. I want to okay. know too actually. <laughs> like
3: um I'll, I'll Google it or like I'll find out from my other friends. Yeah. Uh, but that's one thing and then you know you post a fine on anyone that literate I think that should have been done like to every single country mm. Um, in terms of like takeouts like I say like Taiwan they don't even give you uh, plastic bags I don't think you have to buy them yeah yeah, and then like that gives people incentive to buy those foldable, like reusable bags and just put it mm. in their purse mm-hmm. um, and bring it around with them. Yeah. They don't give me straw either or nope. they ask you if you want straw. Right. Even like when you order on Fu Panda, there's like a, like this is an, from an app perspective because like in the States, sometimes they ask you, they don't even bother if you need, ask you if you need utensil or not. Right. But in Taiwan, you can literally click no utensils. Right. And then that, <laughs> That saves so much um, resources. That's true. From from itself, um, okay. and then I have friends that does diving, and then they are actually, you know, they go to Ludao and all that stuff to um, clean ocean trash. Yeah, like mm. literally going In down the water. and just grab it um, yeah. as much as they can, um, and. These are just like the compassion I see in Taiwanese people. Uh, I mean, I, want, I don't want to just say Taiwanese people. I say people in general. But mm-hmm. from what I observe in Taiwan, it's something that's just so lovely to see. And, oh, we have the trash truck that comes right. and collect trash, but we have to do compost. Like People yes. understand how to do compost on the side. Mm-hmm. That's something America does not know. Like mm. we don't have like a, a separate system for compost, mm. um, so that that's was true. that Mm-mm. was something that I saw. I was like, oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, why is my mom having another bag for all the leftover food? Yeah, kitchen waste, <laughs> kitchen waste, the kitchen waste. <laughs> the, the, the kitchen waste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, banana peels, whatever. You know, like, yeah. uh, that's something that I thought was wonderful to right. um, to see. Okay, yeah, and be proud of. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, Taiwan is doing good, but yeah. I think we can all do better. We, we can, can all, all do, do more. Better. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you, Jan. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having such a heart for, you know, doing the right thing to, you know, raise awareness. I think it is important, but Mm -hmm. to take you and your husband and more of like multiples of like you two, Mm -hmm. you know, doing this kind of thing, I think it will make a change in the world. I hope so. Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. So the
3: effort of a lot of people that are compassionate. Right, right.
2: All right. Thank you, Jan. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the show. No problem.
1: Classic Shorts Stories from Chinese History and Literature
4: Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Today we're going to hear some of the famous poems from the Tang Dynasty Anthology of 300 Classic Poems. Today's poems are sentiments about special relationships and friendships in the life of the two poets, Chen Qi and Wei Yingwu. Chen Chi writes, Farewell to a Japanese Buddhist priest, bound homeward. You were foreordained to find the source. Now, tracing your way as in a dream, there where the sea floats up the sky. You wane from the world in your fragile boat. The water and the moon are as calm as your faith. Fishes and dragons follow your chanting. And the eye still watches beyond the horizon. The holy light of your single lantern. This is another poem about his sentiment towards a special person in his life. Chen Chi writes, From my study at the mouth of the valley, a message to censor Yang. At a little grass hut in the valley of the river, where a cloud seems born from a viny wall. You will love the bamboos new with rain and mountains tender in the sunset. Cranes drift early here to rest and autumn flowers are slow to fade. I have bidden my pupil to sweep the grassy path for the coming of my friend. Now, Wayne Wu was born around 737 and his family was one of the prestigious Chinese noble clans of the Tang Dynasty. His great-grandfather, Wei Dai Zha, was a chancellor during the reign of Wu Zetian. And he was an imperial bodyguard of Emperor Zhong when he was 15 years old. And we have a couple of his poems about friendship. This one is called A Farewell in the Evening Rain to Li Cao. Is it raining on the river all the way to Chu? The evening bell comes to us from Nanjing. Your wet sail drags and is loath to be going, And shadowy birds are flying slow. We cannot see the deep ocean gate, only the boughs at Pukou, newly dripping. Likewise, because of our great love, there are threads of water on our faces. And this one by Wei Ying Wu is called A Greeting on the Huai River to my old friends from Liang We used to be companions on the Jung and the Han, and as often as we met, we were likely to be tipsy. Since we left one another, floating apart like clouds, ten years have run like water, till at last we join again, and we talk again and laugh again just as in earlier days except that the hair on our heads is tinged now with gray. Why not come along then, all of us together, and face the autumn mountains and sail along the Wai? Those are the sentiments of Wei Ying Wu and Qian Qi to great Tang Dynasty poets writing about their friendships. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie Sell.
1: You're listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International.
5: Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, your program host. In today's program, we have stories about once-in-a-lifetime eclipse, Chinese medicine for pets, a popular military-style obstacle course race, and so on. Well, let's begin with the once-in-a-lifetime eclipse. People in Taiwan were very excited about the rare astronomical treat. But nowhere is the excitement higher than in Yunlin County, perhaps
0: the best spot for viewing it. It's not every day that you get to see a total solar eclipse. Fans of astronomical phenomena in Taiwan have been lucky lately. Taiwan's outlying Kinmen Islands got one back in 2012, and in just over a week from now, people in nine different cities and counties will get their very own annular total solar eclipse. Here's where the luck ends for now, though. Miss this one, and you'll have to wait 195 years for Taiwan's next total solar eclipse. Perhaps no one is more excited for the eclipse than the people of Yunlin County in central Taiwan. The county's Shuelin and Kohu townships will be the first spots to see the eclipse, which will take place on the afternoon of June 21st. Local officials are planning events at an elementary school and a temple. They say that the eclipse is expected to hit its peak in the area at exactly 55 seconds past 4.13 p.m. Of course, it should go without saying, but those hoping for a glimpse of the eclipse should use proper equipment and should not look directly at the sun. John Van Trieste, RTI News. And did you know that the offshore Jima
5: Islands was the first part of Taiwan to witness the annual total solar eclipse. Let's see how it prepared for the event. Telescopes, big and small, are being transported from Taiwan proper to the offshore Jinmen Islands. That's because Jinmen will be the first place in Taiwan to glimpse a once-in-a-lifetime solar eclipse set to darken the skies at 2.44 p.m. on June 21st. Jinmen County official Tsai Songhui recommends that people use a solar filter to protect their eyes. This is a safer way of viewing an eclipse, as the filter can dim the intensity of the sun. In addition to Jinmen, Penghu, Yunlin, Jiayi, Tainan, Kaohsiung, Hualien, and Taitung sit directly in the path of the total eclipse. Other areas of Taiwan will see the event as a partial eclipse. To celebrate the occasion, a pastry chef in the eastern county of Hualien has created special sun-shaped desserts. Once this eclipse is gone, the next of its kind won't be visible in Taiwan until the year 2215, so be sure not to miss the spectacle this time around. <laughs> This year's Dragon Boat Festival is on June 25th, but the local health departments are on the alert for festive treats that fail to meet
0: food safety standards. The early summer Dragon Boat Festival will be here next week, and that means one thing, zongzi, or balls of glutinous rice wrapped in leaves with other ingredients and steamed. Vendors across Taiwan are gearing up to meet demand for these seasonal goodies. But consumers should choose their zongzi carefully. Testing by the Taizhong Health Department has found that frozen zongzi on sale at a local supermarket contained a concentration of E. coli 110 times above the limit set by food safety standards. Fortunately, this product was the only one among the 61 supermarket zongzi the department tested to fail inspection. It was quickly removed from shelves. Germs aren't the only risk. In neighboring Zhanghua County, the local health department forced the recall of some powdered peanut, a topping often eaten with zongzi. That's after inspectors found that the product contained eight times the acceptable amount of aflatoxin, a carcinogen produced by some kinds of mold. Fortunately, Taiwan's health departments are being vigilant, but consumers should stick to trusted makers of zongzi, or, as many do, simply make their own. John Ventriest, RTI News. Summer is the time
5: of the year when Taiwan's fruit is at its most glorious. Market stalls piled high with the luscious seasonal favorites are a sight to behold. But doctors
0: say overindulgence, in your eyes may pay. It's high summer in Taiwan, a special time of year when sweet, refreshing fruits are in abundance. Juicy mangoes and succulent lychees are now at their best, and for many, the sight of them is too tempting to resist. Eye doctors say this is exactly why they're seeing a 20 to 30 percent jump in patients. But isn't food supposed to be good for you? In moderation, yes. One ophthalmologist says about 10 lychees, or one mango a day, shouldn't do any harm. But go beyond that, and the result can be a nasty sty. Doctors say that in the summer heat, our skin is already producing extra oil. This can accumulate and get trapped around the eyelids in particular. Sweet seasonal fruits like mangoes and lychees are what Chinese medicine practitioners call hot-dry fruits, and apparently adding too much of these fruits into the mix is enough to tip things over the edge and lead to a sty. Doctors say that if you feel a sty coming on, you can open up clogged pores by placing a warm towel over the affected area. John Van Trieste, RTI News.
1: This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound.
5: A growing number of Taiwanese families seem to prefer owning pets to having children. Amid an uptick in pet ownership, a university in Taipei is recommending the use of Chinese medicine to treat the ailments that affect our
2: furry friends. Taiwan loves its pets. This year, for the first time in Taiwan's history, the number of pets has exceeded the number of children aged 15 and under. And these pets are, by and large, pampered. The slightest sign of health problem is enough to send pet owners scrambling to see a vet. Most vets have a background in Western medicine. However, a recent study by the National Taiwan Normal University has shown that Chinese medicine can slow the aging process in animals. The Taiwan Traditional Chinese Veterinary Medicine Association says that while exercise is important for dogs, dog owners should also give their dogs Chinese medicine as a supplement. For instance, Chinese medicine containing tortoise shell, deer antler, and ginseng can help alleviate osteoporosis and build up canine muscles. This will give dogs better immunity and help them grow in a healthy, happy way. Shirley Lin, RTI News. And finally,
5: we have a story about a military-style obstacle course race. Long periods spent indoors during the COVID-19 pandemic – have left many anxious to go out and get some vigorous physical activity in. More than 1,000 have signed up for an upcoming military-style obstacle course race in the outlying Matsu Islands.
2: As the COVID-19 pandemic eases up across Taiwan, athletic types are finally able to get out of the house and start pushing themselves to the limit once again only seconds after registration opened, 1,300 people had signed up for a military-style obstacle course race set to take place on an outlying island with deep military roots. The military trail challenge is taking place in Dongying Township on the Mazu Islands, a chain that sits directly next to China and is on Taiwan's first line of defense. The entire island where the event is held will be closed off just for the race. The course is grueling. Contestants must get past the same kinds of obstacles that professional soldiers, like those stationed on nearby islands, must overcome in their training. The views and the sights the island has to offer, though, make overcoming these challenges especially rewarding. Those taking part will get to see a granite stone geopark and the Zhongzhu Tunnel a former military tunnel now open to the public just once a year. At the end of the race, all contestants will be rewarded with a feast of the local specialties and dong In Township's special sorghum liquor. Shirley Lin, RTI News.
5: And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist for Radio Taiwan International. I'm Paula Chao. See you next week. Bye-bye.
6: Trump, his announcement did uh, he to uh, terminate the first stage of the trade agreement with China, which didn't happen. He, he ordered American companies totally out of Hong Kong. That didn't happen. So only by taking away Hong Kong's special status, which might hurt Hong Kong people more.
7: Hello and welcome to this week's Online, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. On May 28th, the Chinese central government passed the Hong Kong National Security Law, which caused international condemnation. Professor Yan Zhenshen, a researcher and professor of Institute of International Relations at National Tengzi University, said many think the passage of the law means the end of one country, two systems, in Hong Kong. But he said Hong Kong is still different from the mainland in a way that Hong Kong still enjoys a limited democracy, such as access to the social media and the Internet, the prevalence of English and the street science and government services, and so on and so forth. To find out more, we are joined today by Professor Yan Chen Shen. The U.S. will retaliate, but what kind, yeah. Professor Yan?
6: Well, so far, you know, one have, is really, I don't know whether it's relevant or not, President Trump decided to withdraw from the WHO, uh, saying that this organization has been controlled by mainly China. I think it's one way. Also, you talk about uh, China trying not to take responsibility for coronavirus, and I think uh, United States President Trump also tried to, you know, share his responsibility and not. You know by by withdrawing from who uh instead of uh allowing other people to blame him so that's one uh, which are unrelated to hong kong but other things people look at uh, so-called his announcement there are few things that people look uh think first of all uh he uh, terminate the first stage of the pay agreement with china which didn't happen uh, secondly, did he order American company totally out of Hong Kong? That didn't happen. So only, you know, by taking away Hong Kong's special status, uh, which might hurt Hong Kong people more than Beijing or Xi Jinping. And also, if there is a, you know, kind of uh, uh, punishment against Beijing's of. Uh, High officials who might have a, a role in suppressing Hong Kong, and some you know of their kids going to United States for school, and then uh, you know this travel uh, restriction uh, for their family, or the uh, restriction for uh, security-related personnel uh, in the PLA, or you know other students to go to the US for. For the study or training, those stops, I, I think, might help Xi Jinping as well, because Xi Jinping uh, has a lot of enemies, and those enemies have some kind of uh, a, a hideout uh, for their monies, for their wealth, and sending their kids to the U.S. And by, by stopping that, uh, actually Trump is helping Xi Jinping to consolidate his position, especially Hong Kong, which... Xi Jinping doesn't have a long relations like Jiang Zemin or other, you know, communist leaders who who actually get enriched themselves uh, after 1997. So I think the United States announced all this punishment against Hong Kong. But Xi Jinping is not the one who suffer. Maybe Hong Kong people will suffer some. And then maybe American school universities of, you know, schools of higher education Universities, especially research university, uh, if somehow the Chinese students cannot get a visa, uh, those students who do the uh, basic uh, lab work for for chemistry, for physics, uh, the natural science part will actually you know hurt, and also all the money going to these university from students of mainland China origin uh, constitute a a substantial part of the university revenue. And if they cannot go to the U.S., I think the higher education of the United States will suffer.
7: So it seems that the U.S. has only one card to play, that's to impose visa sanctions on Hong Kong, because the economic Mm -hmm. sanctions will actually hurt the U.S. I think more than uh, China, or even it hurts more of the people in Hong Kong because the US had a surplus of uh, 31 billion US dollars in merchandise trade over Hong mm-hmm. Kong in 2018. So yeah. that's a great amount and do you think that the US is willing to take that risk?
6: Oh, oh well, I think the United States, you know, as long as their company can still stay in Hong Kong, as long as uh, you know, uh, there is, uh, you know, uh, interaction between United States and Hong Kong. And then through Hong Kong, maybe continue to have uh, some kind of business uh, interaction with China. That will still be uh, to the benefits of both sides. And uh, the biggest worry, I think, at the time was uh, Trump will call every American company in Hong Kong to withdraw from Hong Kong. Uh, uh, to put a stronger sanction on Hong China and then uh, it will really hurt uh, both Hong Kong, United States um, or uh, Beijing as well. Uh, but things didn't happen. Uh, if we look at what happened uh, after the announcement, the stock market in the United States actually went up, reflecting you know there is a sigh of relief from this, which also means that this sanction doesn't have a lot of teeth.
7: You're listening to Online brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong today. I'm speaking with Professor Yen Jianshen, a researcher and professor of Institute of International Relations at National Jiangsu University. Now back to Taiwan Professor Yen. Will the new law threaten the interests of Taiwan? In the region in particular?
6: Well, Taiwan has uh, compared itself to Hong Kong many times. But I think uh, this is to lower our standing by comparing ourselves to Hong Kong because, yes, uh, China would like to apply so called the one country, two system uh, from Hong Kong as well as to Taiwan. But I think in the past, we have seen Chinese leaders. Talk about this one country, two system It's actually one country, four systems. Uh, in terms of Hong Kong and Macau, it's quite different. In terms of Hong Kong and Taiwan, it's quite different. Okay, so so it, it cannot be the same. That's one. That's the first thing. Second is Taiwan is officially not under the PRC's control. Uh, we are a separate. Uh, we have a separate government. We have a vibrant democracy. We rule over ourselves. Hong Kong and Macau are not. Okay, they are already part of the PRC. Uh, we, you know, maybe uh, historically, culturally, uh, geographically, some people would consider being part of the of China. But in reality, politically, we are not right now. So, uh, anything you do to Hong Kong, that's uh, relation between Beijing and Hong Kong and Taiwan uh, in the future would like to negotiate a different kinds of arrangement with Beijing. Uh, we don't know what be- what kind of uh, uh, arrangement will Beijing accept, and we don't know what kind of arrangement Taiwan will accept. Maybe we will never reach an agreement, but we are not under Beijing's political control now. So it's quite different. Yes, Beijing I think was hopeful before, if the one country, two system in Hong Kong works, and then you know maybe uh, it can convince Taiwan uh, to be part of the one country, two system. But so far, I think uh, the credibility is not there. So I think Beijing doesn't care about how Taiwan feels right now about Hong Kong. And
7: marking the 15th anniversary of Chinese anti-secession law in late May, China reiterated that there's only one China and Taiwan is part of it and reiterated again they will not give up smashing any separatist actions. What do you think of the same remarks they made this year?
6: Oh, I, th- I think, uh, you know, uh, in, in the case of Taiwan, uh, we have a president being reelected elected uh, in January and Madame Tsai gave... Uh, know the inauguration speech uh, in May uh, on May 20 uh, which was very similar to the one she gave four years ago and she continued to insist on maintaining status quo Uh, I think what China see Taiwan is you are not really uh, maintaining the status quo we have achieved with the previous KMT government but she has never openly call for Taiwan independence. So uh, she does not give uh, Beijing any excuse to apply the anti-secession law to Taiwan so far, because we have not, uh, you know, make that move of announcing a a, a Taiwan independence, Uh, even though in the eyes of Beijing, uh, maybe it's no difference uh, whether you announce or not. You're doing you know substantial things that will be leading to independence, but at least this will give Taiwan a, a good standing in front of the United States in case Beijing use force against Taiwan. and then uh, United States might be justified to help Taiwan because uh, we have not so-called unilaterally change the status quo. It will be the fault of Beijing. But if we declare independence and then uh, Beijing might use force uh, and then Washington, D.C. will say, hey, you, Taiwan, you are changing the status quo. You are announcing a Taiwan independence. You have you know, unilaterally changed that and we are not going to help you. So by maintaining status quo, at least uh, we keep the line of assistance from the U.S. open. Uh, We don't know even, you know, if uh, we declare independence, uh, China use force against Taiwan, whether the United States will come to help us or not. But if we, you know, uh, didn't uh, announce independence, then at least there is a possibility that United States will come to our assistance.
7: Yes, Professor Yen, looking at the current situation uh, where U.S.-Taiwan and China relations have worsened, but Taiwan and U.S. relations have grown warmer and warmer, how do you see the stability of the region in the near future?
6: Oh, I think, you know, uh, yes, in terms of Taiwan's relation with the U.S., it's getting well, but I think, you know, before, between now and November in the United States, there's still one variable. That's American presidential election. Uh, I think right now, uh, we have a lot of sympathy from the American Congress. Uh, both houses, Senate and House of Representatives have in the past passed resolutions or acts to support Taiwan. And the administration also have done that as well. But with America right now engulfed in, in this uh, racial violence, uh, this is what I worry the most is that United States will not have you know, the, the energy to uh, look into Taiwan's interests now. So should something happen now, I think United States probably will, never, will not be able to assist Taiwan. So we need to be careful. At this time, at least to maintain our status quo, not antagonizing Beijing and also hopefully with the election over in November, uh, we can continue to maintain a relay, you know, a positive uh, bilateral ties with with Washington, D.C. But uh, we, we need to be careful between now and November.
7: Mm-hmm. And we've been joined on the phone by Professor Yan Zhengshen Professor Yan is a researcher and professor of Institute of International Relations at National Chengchi University in Taiwan It remains to be seen what impact the Hong Kong National Security Law will have on Hong Kong And that wraps up this week's online, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International I'm Carlson Wong Thank you for listening I'll see you next Bye